wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell, and for us TFC supporters, it's been a long, long 2023. Uh, but we made it. We made it to the final TTID Yay! of the year. We got vibes kits going on. I'm throwing back some retro stuff with the red and white. Michael Singh's back from Montreal, though he was back last week. Um, but it's been a while since the three of us have actually been on a show together. So uh, joys to that to end your year. On today's show, we will preview the 2024 MLS Super Draft. Uh, call it a few names that TFC might select with the number one pick if they even keep the pick. Uh, we'll finally, finally finish off our 2023 player over-unders. Uh, we got five more players to to get through. I know we've been promising that since I think like late October. Um, uh, we will uh, give our each of us our TFC story of the year. What was the thing that will, the headline that will make us remember 2023, even though we really do want to forget it at times. Uh, we will announce a winner of the Next Door Holiday Kit giveaway. And of course, get it's to the me. question. Guys, it's uh, me. I, I won the kit. Door. You're actually going to yeah. win the shirt off Jeff's back. Uh, he will not wash it before he gets into it. Um, bonus. So maybe, you, maybe you regret joining the yeah. crowd. Um, <laughs> lots to dig into. Jeffrey P. Nesker, Michael Singh uh, are in the house. Gents, how are Ooh, we? Ooh, Andre Wolf. Oh, my God. Andre just made my holiday season. Apparently, the Adidas store at the Eaton Center has the yellow letters and numbers. I spoke with them yesterday. Ooh. You know, never would have okay. guessed because if you – if you if you go online, there are like two heat transfer printing spots for TFC kits in the GTA, and they're both owned by by MLSE. So I am going to, although the Eaton Center has kind of been a bit dodgy recently with respect to people screaming expletives at each other. I might. That's well. Yeah, that's just that's just a Tuesday, man. Like, yeah, that's yeah. Queen, that's getting, Queen Station attached to. Yeah, is getting Coejo on this kit worth you know uh, uh, being put uh, being put in harm's way with uh, with peaceful protests? I don't know. I don't know. I'm on the fence. We'll see. We'll see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Mikey, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm like you said. I'm happy that the three of us are back uh, to wrap up this year. It has been a minute. And this is a show mm. I've been looking forward to for a very long time because it's been it's been a while since TFC have had the first overall pick. Now I know, I don't know how much stock people put into first overall pick, but I think in any sport, first overall pick comes with some kind of like some kind of like feeling where it's excitement and it's maybe even the start of of, of a new era. I mean, that's probably a bit too much pressure to put on the first. Yeah, not on this in team, recent yeah. years. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, but there have been some hits. There have been some big time hits, but we'll get into some of that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's an interesting time as we're now getting into sort of the real push of player movement in MLS waiver announcements, re-entry drafts, all the drafts uh, are happening. All of them. Uh, this, this Aces week. 1 through uh, 28, all of them. Exactly, yep. exactly. So we'll get into that. But before we get into all of that, um, I think I want to address really quickly the sort of big kind of soccer news story um, in North America, or at least in Canada and the U.S. There is a big Apertura cluster of final in Mexico. That's much more important. Um, but... Uh, 
the United States uh, Soccer uh, Federation got a little surprise uh, on Friday when Don Carber, uh, on a nice little Friday news drop, announces mm-hmm. that um, starting next season, so the 2024 U.S. Open Cup, MLS first team uh, rosters will not be participating in the U.S. Teams. Open Cup. So no- yeah, so no first U.S. Teams. Yeah, 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 no U.S. MLS clubs. Not say clubs, sorry. First teams will per- participate in the Open Cup. Now those clubs will be able to field their MLS Next Pro teams. So basically, all their two division teams, three sides, which is yeah, can now right. join uh, the Open Cup, and it has sparked outrage. It has sparked a lot of different comments. We're safe here, just in case you haven't heard. TFC, mm-hmm. Montreal, Vancouver will participate in the Canadian Championship next year. So that is not uh, sort of a, a Canadian problem at the moment. But mm-hmm. wanted to get your guys' reaction because this is kind of a big thing. And the thing that, um, you know, speaks to maybe the integrity of soccer in North America in terms of how we view sort of the traditional kind of roles and tournaments uh, that is enjoyed around the world. Uh, so we just want to get your guys' takes on that. Uh, Jeff, start with you. It's horrible. There's nothing good about it. It's so cynical. We know what's mitigating it. It's an entirely money thing mitigated by Apple. Um, You know, I mean, there are so many different ways you can attack it, right? Like we're we're bringing Messi to North America to, to grow the game. And then less than a year later, actually it's a closed system and we don't want to share Messi with, with Louisville or or Las Vegas lights or whatever the case may be. It's also a shot across the bow at the at uh, the USL because they're basically um, uh, pimping uh, Division three sides uh, over and above USL championship sides. It couldn't possibly be more cynical with respect to the fact that Don Garber calls out fixture con- congestion in the same breath as he talks about this stupid League's Cup thing that nobody wanted that is the source of fixture congestion um it is and and then to say nothing of the fact that you know how far removed are we from the sum deal collapsing when the u.s soccer federation was propping mls up and now that mls can supposedly stand on its own two feet the the thanks that the u.s soccer federation gets is this um and i'll close with the fact that they're in violation of fifa rules um they can't do that uh it's written right in the fifa charter and there's going to be some significant blowback from this. Um, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot, guys. Uh, we've been inundated with with anti-soccer nonsense coming from MLS HQ far too often over the last couple of years for my liking. Um, and this is just, this is untenable. Like, can you imagine if the FA did this or any European uh, uh, league did this? Can you imagine the blowback? Um and even today, I'm seeing people saying, you know, this is going to have a trickle down effect because some of the smaller European leagues are going to see this, see it as establishing a precedent and then saying, well, why do we have to have our first teams play in our domestic cups, et cetera, et cetera. It's very dangerous ground. I really don't like it. Um, you know, the and, and it just it's got the same horrible taste as the shootout rule, you know, Americans, right or wrong, uh, uh, there's this desire to fix soccer. It doesn't need to be fixed. It doesn't need your input. Um, and then when you couple that with just how cynical this is and how it's a bunch of people in boardrooms trying to figure out how to maximize their investments that have 
really no ties to the game and how they're turning it into like this quasi NFL professional wrestling nonsense. It's just, it's so distasteful. It really, really is on the eve of a world cup. No less. We're like getting further and further away from the beautiful game. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with everything Jeff said. And the one thing I'll even add to it is there's still champions league spots on the line. So this does have a ripple effect, right? Yeah. Uh, It's not just the U S open cup we're talking about now. We're potentially talking about, Champions League qualification, which I mean, from TFC's eyes, Bill Manning's eyes, that's like their prized possession, right? That's the one that's always eluded TFC, and that's the one they want to go and get. Is that you know tournament now compromised because of the way that the teams are going to be qualifying through the U.S. Open Cup? You know, it, it does raise some more questions, and yeah, it's 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 really really sad that they've they've gone in this direction. Yeah, it just one of those. Look, it, it, it to me, it's a it's a move to protect League's Cup. Um, of course, it's it, it's a it's a move to protect the tournament that they created to essentially try to beat Mexico because you know for a long time could beat Mexico in in the real cup. Um, the cash prize that dwarfs dwarfs the the US yeah. Open Cup cash. Yeah, exactly. Like and the US game, Open Cup is yeah three hundred thousand. I think is the is yeah the prize to win it to win it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like mm-hmm. a couple million for for League's Cup. Um, yeah. look, it, it's a, it's a property they created with Apple, um, to, to maximize that revenue. And then you get the extra blessing of getting messy and then he's good. And then his team goes and wins leagues cup. Like these are, you know, opportunities for, to, to grow the quote unquote brand, right? Like that's the brand. That, that's, exactly. That's the play Not game anymore. Brand. Their exactly, brand, and, and, their and that's it's just kind of sad, right? And like, look, it, it, I've seen the counter arguments about like, look, people don't care about the Open Cup in the early rounds. If people really cared, would they go to these things? You know, like, you know, I, I would say keep those teams in and let MLS clubs decide how they want to play their rosters, right? Like, if they want to, like every play, other federation, yeah, like if they want to play kids, okay. I mean, I would have questions around you know, competitive balance and, and, you know, does that make sense? And are you robbing lower league teams of the opportunity? It's better than not playing at all. And these younger kids certainly need minutes. We only have to look at, at Toronto FC to see that there is a space for minutes to blood younger players. And, you, you know, I mean, look at, look at your team. Does Man United send uh, their first team squad? I mean, right now they sort of have to, sorry, that was, that was well, easy, but... Well, but historically <laughs> Manchester United has yeah. dropped out of the FA cup before, right? Like they did, they did it after they won the treble. They basically yeah, were not playing yeah. in the FA cup. Now there was massive blowback for it. Massive penalized for it, but it, yeah, there yeah. is present. Now that's a club compared to mm. an entire league deciding they're not going to play. Yeah, um, and and I didn't. I you misunderstood me. I just I meant like you you tend to see a lot of squad rotation yeah. in cup games versus league games, and that's you know MLS can cry foul that the you know the salary cap doesn't allow for deep enough rosters, but that's an MLS problem, and and certainly the answer isn't to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Basically, nothing coming from them as rationale as to why this matters for anything other than the most cynical, like knee jerk reactions holds any yeah. water. Like it the the one, really has no clothes here. One kind of glass half full. It is now another platform competition to get the younger kids into meaningful matches on maybe a bigger stage, maybe a stage with some more stock into it. And maybe that'll make clubs invest more into their academies, which I mean, MLS is making a really big push towards that. 
So there is maybe some positive to come from it, but I, I think overall it's, yeah, that should be a yeah. decision MLS clubs should be making. Yeah, should I, be I able know. to make no, they, no, don't mandate it. Like you can play the kids if you want. If you want to play, like you deal with your load management and fix your congestion, like big boys. You know, mm-hmm. like like everybody else does. And and yeah, I just I I I hate it. I really really hate it. And I and yeah. I hate I hate the facile kind of uh, party line tweets that are coming out from like the Sasha questions of the world that you can tell they're beholden to their masters and that they're tweeting out the party line, but their real thoughts are nowhere, nowhere near this kind of thing. It's putting people at, at, at serious disadvantages because they're now fighting against this giant behemoth. And, and Andre said it a a while back. Um, What did he say? He said, Apple should have just bought us soccer. And it's it it sort of feels that way. It's like it feels like a hostile takeover. Like they've got the money, just just go ahead and do it, so that we don't have to suffer through these growing pains. Yeah, it's well, interesting that this is a sorry last thing. It's interesting that this is an MLS decision, um, and they have some kind of sway over the U.S. Open Cup, but they haven't decided to touch Canada at all. I'm curious as to why, because uh, <laughs> they don't care. No, one, they don't care. And two, for the MLS clubs, I think the Voyager's Cup still means a lot in the sense that it's probably their easiest route to get to Champions Cup, right? Like, it, it, in theory. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, from the, from that perspective, I think, you know, there is a, a – and one, I mean, look, the, the way that the Voyager's Cup is formatted differently than the U.S. Open Cup, and I will agree with some critics out there that have come out and said, look, the format of the U.S. Open Cup, the regionality, the way that it's sort of done in the early rounds kind of doesn't allow for it to grow in terms of a spectacle. And I kind of see that. Um, but there's just one, there's only 13 teams. I think it'll be 14 next year in in the Canadian Championship. Um, so there's not enough teams. Fixture congestion with the Cup, is it really that big a thing um, mm-hmm. for for the MLS sides? I don't think so. And then, like you said, Mike, off the top, in terms of Bill Manning's view, and this is probably the same view that Montreal and Vancouver have, right? Getting the Champions Cups an extra million, million and a half in the coffers, right? So if they yeah. can get that uh, berth and they can get that relatively ra- wrapped up certainly earlier than they would through the standings in MLS, why would they want MLS to pull them out of the cup, right? Like, I don't think anybody wants to rock the boat because you're already getting sanctions, special sanctions from UEFA or sorry, from CONCACAF to play in MLS as Canadian clubs. I think if, you, if, if, you, if you're too squeaky of a wheel here, like Andre's saying, there could be, I mean, this is worst case Ontario, but there could be a situation where the Canadian owners, you know, make so much noise that they get forced into the CPL because we are an international league under special circumstances for the Canadian clubs. So, I, I don't think yeah, that's I, I, uh, I, I think it's bigger than you allow it for, but less than I'm than I'm positing. I think it's somewhere in between, but certainly, yeah, I I think that they don't want to rock the boat because it is such dicey waters, and we and we've seen uh, how it manifests. You know, when 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 the boat is rocked, right? And mm-hmm. U.S. Soccer Federation right now is a wounded animal. So why why would you get into uh, why would you get into a room with a with a wounded animal? Yeah, fair enough. I will say this to end this. If if they come out on Friday and said that the, you know Toronto FC around the Voyagers Cup, this would be a very different podcast. Very different. Show. I would be very different. Show. Bloody murder, uh, mm-hmm. because I love that cup and I love that tournament, and uh, I love the U.S. Open Cup. 
I mean, you know, it's it, it it's 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 one of those great comebacks when people say, you know, soccer's new in, in North America. You can point to the US Open Cup. It's one of the oldest domestic championships on the planet. Like people don't know anything and and, and to see it besmirched to the level that it is by corporate overlords is is, you know, we may we're not gonna get pro well. Certainly not in our lifetimes, probably not in our in our children's children's lifetimes. Um, this is this is a slap in the face to even the attempt of it. it. It's circling the wagons with with vested corporate interest again and again and again, and it's 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 making something that should be open to everyone sent there, you know, vis a vis the open cup into yet another closed system, yet another closed system where only the people that are chosen to play get to play, and that's. Well, that's kind of Indian American soccer CPO right now. Not that much different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But go Wisconsin Moon Cows SC. Hopefully they uh, get to a uh, I mean, US Open Cup final what, in the future. Yeah, another team shuttered today. And there was a tweet. I'm not going to guess the numbers, but it's like something like 70% of all U.S. soccer clubs last three to five years before shuttering up. You know, did you it, just say it, you're not going to guess the numbers and then proceed? And then I did. Yeah, well, I was waiting for somebody to come in and say, "Well, I read that tweet too, and here are the yeah." Right. Well, I did read that tweet. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, Rio Grande Valley's uh, out of the USL, so that's a see. You know, see, my boys are going to help me out. That's yeah, that's absolutely. how we roll. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, guys, that's a perfect transition slash not perfect transition into uh, our our chat about uh, the MLS Super Draft uh, and TFC. As we've talked about on the show for the last couple of weeks, they do have the number one pick. The draft um, is tomorrow. If you're watching this live, obviously it's a Monday. If you're listening to this on podcast, it's probably today. Um, TFC have the number one pick in the draft. And as Mike, you said off the top of the show, it's been a while since TFC had the number one pick in the MLS draft. You have to go all the way back to 2013 uh, when they had the number one pick and then promptly traded away. Uh, to go down to the third pick and picked my friend and yours, Mr. Kyle Becker, Mr. Forge FC, um, yep. with that pick. And funny enough, the number one pick that year was Andrew Farrell, who has now been one of the most steady, consistent right backs in the history of the league. Um, center backs, too, yeah. Yeah, and center back. He did play center back yeah. for a while as well. Um, but it's, you know, as you said, Michael, there are opportunities to pick, you know, you may get a franchise player. It's very, very rare these days. You get that through the super draft, but you at least have an opportunity to pick somebody who can make a real impact on your roster. But I guess my question to you guys to start this off and Mike, I'll start with you is do Toronto FC even keep the number one pick? I know you guys talked about this a little bit last week, but mm-hmm. you know, now that we're sort of a, a day away, you know, do you think they actually end up keeping the number one pick? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think one that TFC are still weighing uh, Jason Hernandez, I believe when he spoke to media, it sounded like he was going to keep the number one pick. Um, but things can change. And just, I guess, for context, so last year, this would be 2023, the first overall pick was traded. It was traded by Charlotte. Uh, they trade, or sorry, traded by St. Louis City mm-hmm. SC to Charlotte. Uh, the deal essentially was for about 450000 in general allocation money to move down to the 20th spot. So dropping 20 spots in the draft, you're getting about 450K. Now I'd argue that this draft is probably worth more given that there are a ton more uh, draft eligible prospects. So 
I think the league released a list of almost 400, which is way more than we've seen in past years now that they've opened it up to sophomores and juniors who are now eligible for the draft as well. So I would argue that this this draft is probably even more, um, is worth more, this pick. Mm-hmm. So, you know, things can change, but I think right now we have to assume that TFC are going to keep that number one overall pick and make a selection come Tuesday. Absolutely. Jeff, your thoughts? Uh, first, uh, Gord, glad to see that you're doing well. Uh, mm. I missed shouting you out and wishing you a speedy recovery on last show. Absolutely. Um, so I'm glad that you're back and uh, looking like you're resting up and getting strong. Um, I'll paraphrase Rachel here uh, because I, I, I firmly, I'm firmly on her camp with respect to what we should do here. I think we use it. Uh, but I think we use it on somebody that we are well aware is not going to be contributing this year. Um, we use on somebody whose development path is a little bit longer because Herdman's got enough to deal with, um, with respect to fixing the, the locker room and with respect to blooding younger younglings and getting attack identity together. Um, unless we get an offer that we can't refuse, but here's the thing about GAM. We didn't, do much in the first stage of the re-entry draft, which was a surprise to me. I know, Mike, uh, Mikey Singh, you've been stressing not to expect anything uh, soon, but that was a surprise because I don't know if we're if we're gung ho about the super draft, and I don't know if we're gung ho about the re-entry draft. So, what have we got? In, in the horizon, I mean, all signs point to something exclusive of those two mechanisms, which does mean that we probably need as much roster flexibility as possible. Well, there's still stage two of the re-entry draft. So that's something I think we'd really keep a close eye on with TFC. I, I was mm-hmm. honestly, I was surprised too that they didn't do anything in the first uh, first round I, of the super draft. But you, but you have to make like a bonafide offer. You have to exercise Yeah, refresh my memory. Like, like basically... So First stage is a handshake. Second stage is we, you have to make them an offer. Vice versa. Yeah. Where the sec- oh, first stage, you have to make them an you, offer? First, ah. You have to make them an offer, I believe, in both. Um, but the first stage, you have to automatically exercise their option. I think. Yeah, so you have to pay them what they were paid last year, essentially. Yeah. So the that's very, why I'm not surprised that they didn't stupid. go in the first what, round. Like, yeah. yeah, why have two stages? It makes no damn sense. I uh... Yeah. Anyway, yeah. whatever. So yeah. round two is probably going to be. I mean, they've. I mean, not many people were taken. Players were taken. There was a couple, mm-hmm. uh, like a well, you can count on one hand. But uh, round two means all those players. I think believe slide then down to round two, making that list a lot bigger. So uh, yeah, that's something. Team I'd friendly deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Expect them to be exactly. a bit more or team friendlier. Uh, I would yeah. expect them to be mm-hmm. a bit more active there. Yeah, for sure. That in okay. the second round of that draft, that's where you can kind of. You know, the you can say like, "Hey, we'll give Swoop you a, in job, and we'll take a little bit of a pay, yeah. haircut yeah. on the pay uh, to, to yeah, come yeah, in." Yeah, yeah, But uh, it looked like it sounds like you guys are right. It does sound like they're going to keep the pick. I am for trading for assets. However, it, you know, there does seem to be a couple of players. You know, when you read mock drafts, when you read some of the things about some of the available players, that there's talent out there in this in the in mm-hmm. the top end of this draft. 
maybe more so than in other years in terms of more impactful talent. Um, we got a few names here that have been sort of shouted out on different draft boards and things like that. I want to thank, first of all, Travis Clark at Top Draw Soccer. Uh, he gave us his a link to his mock draft. Um, some interesting names. Um, and at the top of that list, I know I have somebody at the top of my explanation notes here on the on the show run, but I want to talk about Kamani Stewart Baines, mm-hmm. uh, Maryland uh, winger, uh, Canadian. Um, he, he came through Vaughn, Missouri. Uh, He actually got a developmental contract with HFX Wanderers in the CPL this summer, um, spent the entire summer there um, before heading off to his first season at Maryland. Uh, Big 10 freshman of the year, winger, really pacey, um, really great sort of on the ball skills. In Travis's mock draft, uh, he has him going to TFC at the number one pick. I guess my question for you guys is, is winger where we really need to be focusing that draft pick like are you are you picking best potential or best upside or are you picking something that's more of positional need mikey i forgot to mention one thing that you said that i also really agree with we need assets Mm -hmm. we don't have any anymore uh we need to restock the cupboard uh and now i'll let you speak yeah no uh, there it is it's uh it's best potential all day of the week um TFC don't need one hole to fill. They need 11 holes to fill, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, so at this point, it's just you you got to go with the player you think is going to end up being the best player. Yep. Now, KMS or KSB? KSB. Yeah, KSB. KSB. Mm-hmm. Um, he's exciting. He's He reminds me of a, a mix between... Jaden Nelson and DeAndre Kerr. Turks agrees. They would get him at a young age as well. So like he'd be one of the youngest players, I believe, yeah, in the like draft. 19. Yeah. The one thing though is I don't know as of if anyone's listened to this in the podcast, but as we're talking, I don't believe the Generation Adidas list have come out. I haven't seen and it. And it was supposed to drop, but I haven't seen it. In order for him to be eligible, he would have had to sign a Generation Adidas contract. So if it ends up that he doesn't sign a Generation Adidas contract, then he would not be eligible. But I think a lot of people, if he does sign it, have him at the top of their list or right near the top of the list. You add in the fact that he's Canadian, um, he's got, again, a ton of potential, and that a Generation Adidas contract is super valuable because it doesn't count against your salary cap so i i'm a i'd be all in on taking kimono super and stewart baines first overall uh tomorrow that's 2022 i almost posted a link to last year's generation adidas class i was very excited yeah Um, they they (laughs) they number it weird because it basically they're calling it the 2024 draft but yeah yeah yeah. it's like baseball card or card yeah 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 Yeah. um interesting yeah i i so just for just going through Kamani's sort of uh, CV, I mean, he played in League One Ontario um, in the U19, so the, the reserve league. He didn't actually play in the, I think he may have got a few minutes at senior level um, with Vaughn, but he mainly played at the U19s and scored like a bag full of goals. I think it's like 19 goals in like 14 or 15 games for, for Vaughn. Um, so uh, tons of talent, um, and definitely, you know, if he didn't decide to go to school, he might've actually ended up on a CPL roster, 
um, mm-hmm. for going into next year, but obviously, you know, an opportunity to go number one in the MLS, uh, super draft. If he signs as a generation Adidas contract, um, sure. I, I, I think that's a good idea. I do have a small sort of thing about, okay, yes, maybe high upside. And I get that, but do you also maybe look at a forward, you know, a depth forward for yourself? More of a striker. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a winger. I, yeah, he's a winger. He is a winger. I, I, you, you, you go on potential, but yeah, I mean, the thought of adding any more forwards to the this one, roster gives me highs. The one thing, I mean, you have to, but the one thing I, I'll add is that he's also a Maryland product. And if you look at TFC's draft history, Maryland is a school they often go to. Yeah. So maybe there's an extra bit of incentive there. I think they have some kind of, because a lot of um, academy players that don't Syracuse. end up signing for the same and go there is either Syracuse or Maryland. A lot of them go to Syracuse yeah. or Maryland. And they've, they've yeah. also yeah. leaned into Georgetown a bit li- lately as well. Exactly. Chara. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, I mean, that would be one they would have to give some long thought about. And if they do end up passing on him, and the first thing you think of is like a Tejon Buchanan situation yep. where they decide to mm-hmm. go for Griffin Dorsey and then Tejon Buchanan goes what, Dane one Sinclair. two picks later. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that one came back to, yeah, uh, yeah. to bite them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Turtz I mean, asked a question that I think we all know the answer to, and it's, can we trade down and still get him, or is it consensus number one? The answer is, until those generation Adidas uh, uh, come out, we don't know. Because correct me if I'm wrong, as a as a Canadian and a GA, he has he would have zero cap hit yes. and no international spot as well. Exactly. So, I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer. Like, yeah. That's a ton. What I'd say about that is anybody who signs a generation Adidas contract, I would be surprised if they're not taking in the top five, seven, Mm -hmm. like those guys, uh, those guys get snapped up really quickly. Yeah. Obviously from a a cap perspective, they help out another player that um, seems to be a a player that some people out there have targeted for TFC is Jacob Morrell. He's a striker from Georgetown, as you mentioned. So another place that Mm -hmm. TFC has gone to uh, a couple of times in the draft. Uh, He's a former national player of the year. Um, You know, another impressive season over uh, at Georgetown, 11 goals, four assists. So a guy who, that can put the ball in the net. Um, you know, this from college soccer news, just saying that he kind of reminds them of a Duncan McGuire or a Brian white type player, you know, Duncan McGuire is a guy who, who bossed us around this past season with Orlando mm-hmm. in his rookie season. And of course, Brian white, um, the striker at the white caps, who's found a nice little connection, uh, uh, there out, out West. And again, that's where I kind of make that question. I do, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do think that going after Kamani Stewart Baines makes sense from a, like you're probably getting one of the players with the best upside. Um, but if you want to fill a need, zero, yeah. And you, and you look, a lot of those forwards that we have on the roster probably going to be out the door by the time training camp comes around. Do you, do you maybe take a flyer on another uh, college striker? The thing is that the one thing that gives me reservation is that he is a sophomore at this point Mm -hmm. and he would be looped in, I think with that same group of players who are not quite there yet. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he would be added to this big clutter of 
forwards we have in the same kind of profile, same kind of mix. And we already have yeah. Higo and Bonga there. And Jordan Pruz is coming back. We'll see what happens exactly with, with his future. There is one here. I mean, Iowa Canola is still technically in the mix. I don't know if they'll be able to move on from Iowa Canola or if, you know, even they want to because now John Herman's in and John Herman's a guy who mm -hmm. worked well with Iowa Canola in the past. So um, that, that's the one reservation I would have there. Fair. I echo fair. that reservation. There's a lot of forwards that we've treated poorly already on the books. I, I don't know if I necessarily want to add another to the to the funeral pyre just yes, we yet. already have we drafted the striker last year that went back to college that went back to school being, yeah yeah really that sure. ended up being the nation's top goal scorer right so like so, we also have the rights to another striker we do yeah and i think i read today on john molinaro's piece that uh they're still in discussions with him yeah so maybe they don't go down that route maybe they go down the route of fixing getting some defensive depth you know the draft traditionally has been a place where clubs go and get defenders as sort of depth pieces and try to build them up potentially into uh, starting pieces in, in major league soccer. And one of the highest rated is Nate Jones, a center back out of Washington. You know, we talk a lot of obviously about forwards and the lack of goals that TFC scored this year, but we also talk a lot about the defensive issues that this club had um, over the, over the season. And I wonder maybe they go and look in the center back, position and they maybe find a young player that they think they can you know have a uh, have a bit of legs and and be able to sort of mold in the john herman style especially if they start playing three at the back mm -hmm. yeah uh nature is a guy who was going to go high like he yep. will be a top five pick i think so and that's based on all the kind of mock drafts i've been able to get my hands on essentially um what I've read is that he's he fits the modern day center back mold where essentially he's very mobile and good with the ball at his feet, stuff like that. So he checks a lot of boxes. So maybe he's a guy that could actually come in and, and slot in right away. You know, it's it's very rare for center backs to do that at such a young age, but the really good ones are capable of stepping in at a, at a, mm -hmm. at a young age. So he'd be, uh, if TFC want to go the defender route, one of the things I think Jason Hernandez said was that the draft is pretty well spread across between defense, midfield, and forwards. So they do feel that center back isn't their best way to kind of add to that pool at center back is is through the draft there. He could be an option. That said, you know, you have a kid like Lazar Stavanovic who is coming through the ranks right now. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with Adam Perlman. I believe he is out of mm -hmm. contract right now, so his future is up in the air. You have Themi, uh, Theo, sorry, Theo Rigopoulos, who is also mm -hmm. a guy who is coming through the ranks. You have you have center backs also a couple years away. So, like, center back position, while it's a tough one to nail, you never really can forecast what exactly a center back will look like. They do have some some depth, at least, coming through the ranks there. Uh, the only thing, you know, in favor of making this pick is John Herman, as we know, loves to play in a back three, right? And you use more center backs, obviously, more often. So having a guy who's mobile like him, that could really, really be appealing to John Herman. Yeah, for sure. I, this yeah, guy's I my pick. Wait, he's your pick? He's my pick. Can play okay. both sides of center back. You can slot him in at a fullback. He can be an attacking modern fullback if necessary. He's got utility on the defense. And as Gord says, 
Jones is the guy I want as he drafted, and he's kind of a time-tested player already with 50-plus games already in Louisville in four years. Um, so he's got some experience at that position. Uh, none of this is a sure bet. I just like the utility. I like the utility of a young athletic uh, uh, center back that can play either side and also is pretty good in possession and moving forward. So to me, I mean, that's somebody that can earn minutes right away. Yeah, exactly. Well, Look, I, I I think that if a lot of draft boards are comparing him to a Miles Robinson, and by the way, that's a player that is available in the free agent market right now, you know, do you want to go try As sign Miles Robinson? Yeah, yeah. Or you do want to go draft the next Miles Robinson? Well, I mean, look, and there's no guarantee, of course, right? Like this is a no draft. Guarantee. These are these are young players. We don't know um what they're gonna look like in MLS. I, I defy most listeners right now. I've watched a ton of NCAA soccer um, over the, the last few months. Uh, but these are a couple of names that have sort of floated up as potential picks for TFC. Mm-hmm. Just an honorable mention to Marcus Caldera. Probably not going to be a, a top, you know, sort of, you know, five pick potentially. Um, but uh, the Virginia Ford, he's out of Mississauga, came from Sigma, uh, signed a development contract at Forge. Got actually into a couple of games with Forge in in 2022, I believe, might be 2021. Um, but had a great season at West Virginia. Expected to be drafted, um, but expected to be um, drafted further down. He's more of like a target target forward at West Virginia, but he may play a different position when he comes mm-hmm. up to uh, into the big show at MLS. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, you know, fingers crossed that he drops far enough for TFC to have them taken. I think they have the 30th overall as well. That's yeah. their next mm-hmm. pick that comes up. So fingers crossed that he's a guy that drops far enough to be taken there. TFC also have two third round picks as a byproduct of training down for them from that re-entry draft position. So I I I mean, listen, this is is this is deeper. This draft is deeper than ever before. So having maybe some later round picks where they actually have found a little bit of success lately. Uh, most of the, I think recently Luca Gavern is a guy they took mm-hmm. an early second round uh, a couple times out. So like the super draft right now, it's, it is a blessing and a curse um, in a sense that there are so many players now available, which is great because you, you know, it opens up the prospect pool and you could, you could take some swings, but there's also a higher chance that, you know, you kind of do mess up here and there are better mm-hmm. players that get taken because there's just naturally more players available. So hopefully this is something TFC been prepping for, for, for a long time, because it is, it is super important that they get this right. Well, I mean, let's be real. We've probably been in the position to be near the number one pick for quite exactly. a while through the season. So you're <laughs> hoping that they had, you know, done some scouting of some players. Um, and look, you talking about KS, you know, KSB, he was in your backyard for a long time. So hopefully a they were, time, yeah. they have an idea of uh, what he can do if they do decide to go down that right. So it'll be interesting uh, tomorrow to see what TFC do with that number one pick. Like you said, could Harold sort of a newer age of Toronto FC. Um, but I think anybody they pick might be a bit of a longer term project than not necessarily be day one step in, uh, be a, a contributor right off the bat. But, I had lovely if they were. Yeah. I had one name floated to me before I got on air, right before I got on air. Uh, This is completely off the board. 
so I don't know if anyone really has them in their mock drafts, but there's a guy at a a striker. His name's Tyree Spencer. Spicer. Mm. Sorry. Uh, From where? It's Lipscomb. Okay. So he had a terrific season, won a couple of accolades, and he's a guy that can put the ball in the back of the net. So just something to keep an eye on. He's also a guy that I I believe has completed his four years. He's pre-signed to a contract, so he would be able to come in. And if TFC are looking for someone to make an impact right away, that could be a guy to watch. It would be very TFC to take the number one pick and go completely off the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be off the board. Of, I mean, I will say like mock drafts and MLS are like few and far between. <laughs> yeah, so like when we true. say board, it's like we're relying on like <laughs> yeah. two people. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> so this could be someone like internally throughout the leagues. I and mean, they had the showcase as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot, hot uh, tip from from Mr. Spicer right into your inbox. Hey, check out this. Uh, I don't know him at all. Tyree Spicer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everybody now rushing to YouTube to see what this guy's about. Um, yeah. But don't do that until the show's over. Do that after the show's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, guys. Um, let's uh, move on to our finishing our 2023 over-unders. Um, I know a lot of you uh, in the comments love the fact uh, that we were so wrong on so many so of our over-unders. So you get so to see wrong. some more. Uh, we've got yeah, uh, five yeah. more players to go through. So, uh, Jeffy. Uh, if you mm-hmm. want to sort of tee up who we're going to be talking about today yep. and sort of looking at those, uh, that'd be awesome. I can't believe it. This is this is like a Christus, uh, Festivus miracle. Uh, number 13, uh, Kobe Franklin. Here we go. Kobe Franklin is something we didn't talk about last week, even though I was going in alphabetical order. I skipped over him because he literally just got signed. Super happy for the kid. He's a guy, fullback, can play both the right and left. And I wouldn't be surprised if later on in his career, he can also play center back, maybe in a back three. My favorite thing about him, this is why I put it down for the over-under. So my over-under for Kobe Franklin is whether or not he gets over half an assist so at least one assist this season because my favorite thing about Kobe Franklin is the way he delivers a ball mm-hmm. like his ability to swing it across whether it be from a, a set piece or whether it be on the fly there's not many better kids I've seen I don't know how many minutes he's actually going to get this season I think he he might be in line just based on the way TFC's depth is playing out <laughs> yeah what do you think about Kobe Franklin just a stat for you he has seven assists in his career in USL and his next pro matches so seven assists in 44 matches this is a tough one because it depends on if he's going to get enough minutes I actually think he will I think he is going to be actually the depth piece at the back positions but I think he's going to get some minutes and I will take the over on that what that number is I'm not sure maybe one or two Jeff here has the over as well. Uh, I'm, that, take I'm under, assuming for a similar. Contrast, you guys. You're going to take the under? I'm going to take the under. And, after and I hyped him up. After I spent yeah, like five minutes exactly. hyping him up. Exactly. I think he's he's not going to make it. <laughs> Mikey, you were so close. You were so close. And so then you decided close. to be hipster. Yeah, also, I thought there. Kobe Franklin was much taller than that. I do not see him as a center back. There is, no. I, I don't see him being a center back <laughs> in a back three. I don't know. But you got everything season, else right. Kobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible season. I think he fin- ended up finishing with two assists total. Yeah, there's two. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, credit to him. I mean, he played a bigger role than I think anyone thought. And I still think he can be as great at delivering a ball. Uh, his best asset is his relentlessness, that Richie Larea X-Factor kind of 
Mm-hmm. You, you'd love to have a player like that on your team. So uh, his pace, his, his work ethic, all of that, he checks a lot of boxes down there. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, next up, uh, Hugo. Number four. Hugo Mbonge, brother of Ralpriso, five goals, six assists, and 18 MLS Next Pro appearances. He's 18 years old. He's a striker, can also yeah. be used on the wing. So I'm going to say over under one and a half starts this season for Hugo Mbonge. Yeah. What do you under. say, Mike Dillon? Under. I don't think he's in the plan this year. I think he's like an 18 year old who is still a project. He'll get a lot of minutes at MLS Next Pro. Okay, he may get a minute here, a couple of minutes here in a cup game, like in game championship. Do you think he gets one start this year? No. Doesn't get a single start? No. I'm going to go over. Like you're going to go I'm going to go over. I agree with you. He's still very much a project. And I agree with you at the current moment, the way that it's set up, he's not in their plans. I just don't have complete faith in their attacking options. And while Hugo Mung is clearly behind guys like Iowa Canola and Diamande and Jordan Peruza for that matter, I wonder if at a certain point frustration will boil over and we'll give Hugo Mbonge a look, whether that be in a Canadian Championship game or whether that be in Leeds Cup. There's a lot of soccer to play this year. What does Jeff have? Uh, he also has uh, sided with me and gone with the under. I, I say give him a yeah, start. Also, the caveat in there, like if he just tears it up in, you, in MLS Next Pro and just looks like he's way too good for that division, then sure, he might get an opportunity. I don't know if it'll be a start. I just don't see a start. It's Ego and Bongo season. I'm all in. <laughs> I like that clip. I sounded really yeah. smart in that clip. <laughs> yeah, you I, did. I, I definitely it, was not that down on TFC Strikers at like the very no, beginning. No. But it seemed like I was, so I'm just gonna run with it. That was that was exactly. No, no, no I'm gonna. That, we're we're definitely we're gonna loop that one for you, so you can you can play hero ball and get <laughs> all the flowers. Um, it's so frustrating. I mean, why why didn't he get more minutes this year? You know, when the bottom fell out, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. You know, we're getting back into this like. Why was CJ Sapong getting all? Yeah, the, there's uh, one point during last season where I said if I have to watch mm. another. CJ Sapong. I remember it. DFC. Yeah. I'm never watching a game ever again. <laughs> yeah, it just it bel- it belied all logic. I mean, you have this you have this core of guys, potential or otherwise, and here you are at the end of the world, and you're still not giving them any minutes. Like it just it it beggars belief. It really, really does. That and Hugo especially not getting not getting a, a bigger look. I don't get it. I don't get it. So I know he he had at least one start last he season. Start. Yeah. He did. He have two? He had a second. I think he only had the one, but let me just double check. But I think he only had the one. Okay. It's good that I'm we're prepared for the show. Yeah, mm. I know. Uh, like like yeah. we usually are. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So he had one start. Yeah. Mm. He had one start? Yeah. Yeah. All competitions? uh all competitions yes 11 appearances okay okay yeah i mean like i don't have an issue with that because when he did play it's not like he was you know making really much of an impact right like he was just not at that age right so it's good for him to get his feet wet the environment too i mean i don't think you need him on the pitch where you're just touching the ball four times a game chasing the game the entire time cj sapong's job losing games yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Maybe you just needed mm. someone to fall on the fall on the sword there, but um, still, I'm still very high on on Nigo and Bonga as he develops here and grows out. Yeah, he's but... been developing here. 
I mean, this this feels like anti. Listen, all I if I'm Hugo, I'm so pissed. Like, I'm like, what more do I have to do? Like, seriously, like to 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 be even given a look at this club. I, you know, and then to say, well, we put you out there for garbage minutes, you know, mid season when everything was in the was in the crapper and you didn't perform. This is a forward. I, I, I'm a firm believer that they need regular reps to perform. You know, CJ Sapong's outstanding debut goal, notwithstanding. Uh, I just don't think he's had a fair shake. And if I if I'm in his shoes, I'm super, super pissed. So, yeah, I, I, Hugo's again, an interesting one where. I don't know if he's served by playing in MLS Next Pro, but I don't know where he gets his minutes in MLS. It's kind of a tweener, like yeah, in yeah, he's yeah. A tweener. And, I, and I don't like, uh, like, is he better off going on? Like, if they're if he's not in the plans for next season, like if they go out, which we think they're going to do, and go out and get a a striker that would be a first team player, day in mm-hmm. day out kind of guy. You know, do you send him to CPL? Do you send him to USL, um, a league where you're you're playing grown men and you really need to sort of Can be I, day in day out? I, I I just don't know if it serves him to sit on the bench again at TFC. Is CPL better than MLS Next Pro? I would say yes. I don't. I don't know. I, I would I, say yes. I don't have an yes. opinion. I would, I would say, say yes. yes. Just just simply because you're dealing with with the organizations that that's their first team. In MLS Next Pro, there's a hierarchy. You know you're not getting the good milk juice boxes. You know you're not getting the the you know you're getting the leftovers of the first team. Whereas there is no there is no higher sure. level no, with a fourth. Sure. And I think that 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 mitigates all aspects. So you know if it's a question of the quality of football, I still think the CPL wins. No, one hundred percent. CPL wins. Yeah, I 100%. mean, it, and I think it's just better for him to, again, like I said, grow up. Like, like in the MLS Next Pro, you're generally going against your peers, right? Like the same you players. Are you same can't players. ignore. You can't. You can't ignore the Jason Russell Rose and the Mo Farsis, you know, and, and the guys that that chose MLS Next Pro over CPL and are, you know played for uh, an MLS Cup winning side, right? I, I do. Here's, I, I, mm-hmm. here's my thing about. MLS next product. And we'll get off this because this is not the point of the segment, but just sure. really quickly, the difference is really around your organizational structure and how you, how you value that team and how you put that team together. And at Columbus, they put that team together with the identity of winning football and, mm-hmm. and really playing in a certain way. And I don't think that is reflected as much at Toronto FC too. Right, it really mm-hmm. ebbs and flows depending on who's down there, right? And I think that will be for a lot of MLS Next Pro teams, um, but that's especially the case for TFC too. And I, and, and although I do think there is some value in playing week in and week out in a professional setting at MLS Next Pro, I do think quality wise and and just getting better, uh, I believe that that could be better served in the CPL level. Um, for somebody like Hugo and Bogue to really play at that kind of high level, 28 games in a regular season, these this team is fighting for something. You know what I mean? Th- those teams mm-hmm. are fighting for something. Whereas like MLS Next Pro, yeah. like they, those teams want to win. Don't get me wrong, but if if they don't win the MLX, MLS Next Pro Cup, is it the end of the world? Is it like do people lose their jobs over it? 
you know, do people get traded mm-hmm. or not signed because no. Right. Like, so I think Fair. that serves Fair. a lot better than, you know, playing in a league where really it's just about getting minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there was TFC used to have like a relationship with, uh, you know, Den or a Danish team, I believe it was. Uh, HB mm-hmm. Koje, is that mm-hmm. who it was? Where yeah. Rocco yeah. Romeo and Noble Kello went out alone too. And, and part of the reason what Greg Vanny used to say about that was that uh, he wanted to see those guys go out and, and just become men by living on their yeah. own, living mm-hmm. away from families and, and kind of growing up and maturing that way. Is that mm-hmm. something maybe Hugo Amonge has to go out and experience? And as you've mentioned, get that experience playing against older guys that you know are competing for for more than just you know, growth and development. Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, you know, the unfortunate uh, uh, association is you're telling, we're telling Hugo to do what Canadian players had to do before there was a CPL and before there were MLS sides that had their MLS next sides. We're telling him to pull in a TIBA or a JDG, you know, get on a plane with five bucks in your pocket and and and, and go play your wares in, in Europe sort of thing. Um you know, if TFC can grease the wheels for that, fantastic. But I, I don't like the associative value of it. You know, I, I, I do think we talk about pathways and, and we're all in agreement that he's a bit of a tweener. There has to be a place for him to land where his Canadian passport is a blessing, not a curse. You know, what what are we doing this for? If, yeah, if it's the Canadian Premier League. Yeah. Like, to yeah, me, it's the exactly. Canadian Premier League. Exactly. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Yeah. There, his his passport is a blessing, not a curse, and uh, and you know dealing with the dealing with the opposite, where the Canadian passport is often a curse in the in MLS. I think uh, I think the answer is right there. Fair enough. Oh, right. Sorry. Another player. Shane O'Neill. Here we go. Shane O'Neill. Okay. I don't think anyone expected him to play as much as he did last no, season for no Toronto way. FC. He made. 21 starts an alarming amount for a guy i think was brought in to be tfc's third center back because mm-hmm. obviously he had carlos salcedo and chris mavinga as well so i'm gonna set shane o'neill's over under at 17 and a half starts i'm gonna go over obviously one of the center backs gets hurt what i actually think might end up happening is Sigurd roasted may not work out the way we hope he does I'm going to go under, I think. I don't think he makes 17 and a half starts this season. He'll definitely make more than 17 and a half appearances. I'm not sure he makes 17 and a half starts. Okay. What does Jeff say? Jeff agrees with you and most of the listeners. He's going under as well. Seventeen and a half starts or seventeen and a half concussion protocols. Which which one did he? Uh, oh, rude, no. rude, <laughs> rude. Catch this phrase. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was so, what just was for it? the record? Uh, so he made ten starts uh, and fourteen overall appearances. Uh, oh, sorry, I got that wrong. Uh, no, actually, I did get that right. Sorry. Yeah, fourteen mm-hmm. appearances, ten starts. Yeah, another another tough season, I guess, for Shane. He's dealing with a lot um but still a guy who can you know be your four center back he's not making a ton of money and i will say if there's one guy on the team that i could go sit down and have a beer with it would probably be shane o'neill one of the best interviews on the team seems like a very very interesting guy do you think do you think he's back it's on the book yeah 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 he's got a guaranteed deal yeah yeah he does um would he have value maybe maybe 
again, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Would he have value elsewhere? Perhaps, but he's also like such a good veteran to have around a, a, a group, a team. Even when he's not playing, there is a difference that he is making. Uh, but he still is capable of slotting in and sliding in when you do, when you do need him. Mm-hmm. Fair yep, enough. Fair absolutely. Enough. Uh, second last one, our penultimate one, Jonathan Oscorio. Jonathan Osorio. Ozo. Okay. I'm setting the over under for Jonathan Osorio goals at eight and a half. Mm, this is a tough one. This is probably the toughest one out of all of them. Thank you. I take that as a compliment. I'm going to go under, and I'm going to go just a shade under. I think he may get to like eight or seven or eight. And also, I think his role might change a little bit. It, it depends. If Insigne is out for a while, then he may have to be a guy who scores more than eight goals for this team to get where it wants to go. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to go under. I thought he capitalized on a lot of fortuitous bounces last season, which, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from him but a lot of the times you look at his xg those goals don't go into the back of the net cool. jeff has right. the over on that by the way on ozo he's all in ozo season he's all, I like he's it. all in on the ozo season mm-hmm. uh so hey look we love our boy also um future captain of toronto fc um but it wasn't under it was definitely an yeah. under on that so officially Not four goals year. yeah four goals this year Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It speaks. I, I think that it speaks a lot because like, look, when, when look and his biggest scoring seasons with TFC, they've had losing records. Like they've been mm-hmm. near the bottom league 2018 last, uh, this past season or sorry, the 2022, excuse me. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I, and I, and I do agree with you now looking back at it, Mike, that yeah, a lot of his goals were, fortuitous bounces or you know just just you great know, finishes from, yeah great finishes yeah. or from Bottom angles that box. you really shouldn't yep. be scoring goals yeah but he, he you know he's he's got the ability to score those i think that's why so many of us you know do think of him as, as somebody who could be a potential sort of late run in the box midfielder goal Definitely. scorer and, yeah, I, and I still think he has time. that in him yeah I, but if but again also but I also think, yeah, I think his role did change a little bit. I think he sat a lot deeper um, than he did in 2022. Um, yeah. And therefore, you know, that uh, that attributes to it. Plus, I mean, he was injured for a chunk of the season as well. I, I think that this season uh, was the emotional toll. He bleeds for this club in a way that oh, yeah. is becoming rare at TFC. And to be around that environment and to see... Uh, what's happening on all fronts to live through that experience, you know, in a, and, and we don't know anything, honestly, like we can speculate, but we don't know anything. But I do think that this year weighed heavy on him emotionally. Um, and, you know, in addition to all the things that you've said before about being deeper in the field, in the field and what I said, which is how can you, how can you be late into the box to score on opportunities when there are no opportunities, Right. The, the you know what comes first the chicken or the egg uh it, yeah it, one thing, it, it's a bad year for ozo because it was a terrible year for the team you know and and, and i think the two go in tandem yeah, and the one thing through all of that I, i've got to give credit because ozo showed up ozo always left it all on the pitch so it wasn't yep. like a work ethic thing with ozo it wasn't an attitude Never thing is. he 100 still like as jeff said like and mike said bleeds for the club um one to ten just quickly 
concern level for Jonathan Osorio considering his contract? Mike, I'll start with you. In terms of like a drop-off? Yeah, like what's your concern that he doesn't get back to the level and actually is worth the contract? I, I It's hard... It's hard to, I always find it hard in these kind of cases to say like, what is he going to get to the level of the contract that he's paid? That mm-hmm. There's so many exterior factors that contribute to the number that they get that sure. we can't control and, and don't really have a, as much to do with on the field performance. But to answer your question, there is a bit of concern. Like I, I, I think that, look, he's 30 now, but you know, he, he's, he's had injury issues um of various kinds uh over the last mm-hmm. couple of years you know you played 21 games this year um look i i think it, the, the question becomes do you find a sort of a, a different role for him again right like are, are you going to have him sit is that really where he's best i think he's better a little bit more forward than he is sort of being like an all hustle kind of eight right um, which is the debate we had about Jonathan Osorio when he was younger, right? So it almost mm-hmm. feels like we're coming back full circle to the same conversation we probably had about him in like 2014, 15. Um, but I do have some concern that you're not going to get the quote unquote DP level co- uh, production uh, from him. But that said, it's hard for me to blame him for that because he no, no, no. didn't yeah. sign to be a DP. That wasn't it's the not plan. on him. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I I don't care. I mean, in a world where we're paying those two frauds, uh, you know, exponentially higher than, than Oso, I'm not sweating his contract and I'm not holding him. I'm not holding his feet to the fire in a way that the, that the whining wingers seem to be immune to. You know, there are bigger, there are bigger crappy contracts at TFC and I can name two fair. of them immediately. Uh, no, fair. I, th- I think it's just important for us to talk about, right? Like, it is. I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, this is what we we get to do. Um, I am a bit concerned given the injury history with Ozo. Uh, he's and he's thirty one, turning thirty two in July. And the the thing about Ozo, like, what makes him so great is his again, kind of that Kobe Franklin factor is his ability to cover a lot of ground in a lot of different areas. You know, it was kind of like an engine in the midfield in a lot of different ways, and he's got the skill to play with, you know, really good, talented players. But he, uh, and it's a byproduct of the environment, 100%. It seemed like he lost a lot of confidence last season. Right? Yeah. There wasn't as much you did. touches in tight spaces. There wasn't as much, you know, clean, crisp passes. It was... It wasn't the same O's that we saw a year ago when he was coming off a high with the Canadian men's national team, confidence yep. from the World Cup, playing on that that stage. Now the hope is that, hey man, like John Herman's here. Ozo we know yep. is John Herman's guy. There's gotta be a there's gotta be a, a way to get back to uh to what he's what he's been for a good amount of his career. I'm not worried about Oso. I'm really not. Fix the fix the club and, and I think Oso's fine. He's okay. just he's just sort of drowning under the emotional weight that he's at to carry because nature abhors a vacuum, and it felt it might have felt to him that nobody gave a crap about the club, so he had to give four times the amount of care, and, and, and now maybe that weight's lifted off his shoulders. And he's also never he's also never been in the position of his career where he had to have been the go to guy, 
Whereas mm-hmm. this season, he was expected to be that in the midfield, right? He's never, ever had to be that guy. He's always been a guy you can throw in the field as kind of like the complimentary mm-hmm. piece and kind of makes everything else click and, and does all the little things, right, that you want in, in kind of a player in that position. But because of, you know, maybe that DP tag and because of, you know, the lack of offensive options or even just options in the midfield TFC had and because of the injuries to Insigne and Bernardes or Bernardeschi stay relatively healthy but like wasn't productive the injuries to Insigne and the lack of production from a striker all of a sudden a lot more of that falls onto Ozo or when mm-hmm. Ozo's at his best maybe it's a bit of like this Michael Bradley kind of comparison but he's the guy that kind of just brings everything together I agree I 100% agree Fair enough. 100%. Anyway, we're going to wrap them up, which means that I get like 300 gigabytes back on my on my computer hard drive at the end of this episode, which is going to be great. Uh, here we go. It's uh, Raul Petretta. Raul Petretta. Over under three and a half assists for Raul Petretta, just for context. In 152 appearances for FC Basel, he had 10 goals and 12 assists. Yeah, I'm going to go over. I think you're going to need him to have three and a half assists to get to where you want to go. Yeah, and I think you might just get an assist or two just by laying the ball off to a guy yeah. like Lorenzo Insigne or swinging in a couple of crosses, Diamande or Federico Bernardeschi. I, I think, yeah, I'm going to go over. All competitions, I'll go over. Yeah, uh, Jeff has the under, actually. Um, and I saw some okay. people in the comments have the under. Jeff, repeat. What a great edit. I cut you. I cut you right at no. Uh, it's okay. On, you brilliant, I'm, brilliant you must, man. Yeah, no, I must. Got, have, you got the must under have, right on. You that. must have been saying and, and then I I decided to cut you cut you before you went it's into more good. stuff. It's all that good. was a terrible edit. That's not how I want to be remembered by. That was an absolute. <laughs> be remembered by this. Um, you get your flowers because you got that right. Um, you it, it was under. Mm-hmm. You only had one assist this year, so. And I only have to add these five to the 45 minute supercut of these things that I'm going to put up on YouTube that no one's ever going to watch. But <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew. I knew. I had a feeling about Raul. I knew. But, but we'll put it this way he played the third most minutes on the team this year, right? Like he, mm-hmm. he played a lot. Like he, he, you know, he got into 24 matches, started 22. Um, it's just that sort of production wasn't there he's not a bad player he's not a bad player whatsoever um does he offer as much as i would have hoped he would have offered moving forward no he doesn't but mm-hmm. he is 100 a guy that you can you can rely on when he's playing when he's healthy to do his job and i i i, I truly fairly believe that is there more to come offensively i hope so he still isn't he's not an old guy um, if he was on a cheaper deal, I would love Raul Petretta for Toronto FC. The, the fact is, he's mm-hmm. not on a cheaper deal, and this is a way that you do have to measure someone's value in this league. So yeah. he's he's overpaid, sure. Um, but I, I mm-hmm. still think he's a he's a player. Interesting. There's a there's a few few comments in here. I can't highlight them like you can, Jeff. But like Turts and, and mm-hmm. Mike all saying, like he doesn't necessarily fit into the new system. I, I don't I, know I as agree. a wing. Yeah, as a wing I just, back, I, I think he could. I think he Even does. As a it's better in this center back. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. it could be like a you know a bit of a Kamal Miller where Kamal Miller was converted from a fullback to a center back under John Herdman in a back three. Nice. So he could he could slot in as a left center back, but even as a wing back, I think there's I think there's space for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. The question just now becomes, you know, can he, again, I feel like the question you asked us about Oso, you actually apply to Petretta, right? Like in the mm-hmm. sense of, you know, not necessarily are you worried about declining return, but just more of can he play to the level of the contract that he's playing under? Because like he is the pay, he's still the highest paid left back in major he's league soccer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So from I mean, that perspective, that you, you got to get something out of that. I'm surprised he's 26 years old, right? He's got Champions only? League experience. Wow. He's only 26 years old. He's got Champions League experience. Was, yeah. I am less worried. I don't know. I hope this doesn't come back to, to bite me. Jeff, don't clip this, but I'm less worried than. <laughs> Wait, hold on. What's the time? For no reason. Mm. <laughs> I'm less worried about Ralph Petretta's form diminishing than I am about Jonathan Osorio's form diminishing, right? It's natural. Like he's six years older than Petretta and plays probably more, uh, more, more important uh, role. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More demanding, more important role for this team. So, uh, yeah, I think Brown Petretta, I think his first season overseas in Toronto, he's, I, I, I really feel like he's still got a lot to give. I do as well. I uh, love it. Mikey I mean, positivity. I'm I'm hoping you're right because <laughs> <Me too. laughs> they don't have a lot of cover at that left wing back. Like once if if it's not him, you know oh, they're, no, they're gonna, gonna have, have to sign. Somebody. They're gonna have to sign. Yeah. they're gonna have to find somebody um, to to do that. All right, boys. Um, let let's move it along here. Uh, story of the year. So um, mm. this is how I want to go through this. I'm gonna point to one of you guys and you give me a headline or a story this season that is going to sort of for you capstone the 2023 Toronto FC season. Uh, Jeffrey Pinesker, I'm actually going to start with you. What is the what is the headline that you're going to, or thing that you're going to take away from this year that sort of capstones everything? Um, the complete schadenfreude that every single decision, every move we made didn't just go wrong, but so spectacularly wrong. So <laughs> worst case Ontario that it's mind-boggling. It's like if you did the math and tried to calculate the chances of that happening, it's unbelievable. Like everything went bad. The worst possible outcome of everything. Um, that's 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 pretty uh, that's pretty spectacular. Yeah. Not TFC. For me, for me, it's inside Toronto FC's fractured culture. And seeing Bernadeschi clashes, Bradley distrust. Uh, that was the story published by The Athletic. Uh, Paul Tenorio, Tom Bogert, Josh Klug. We've had uh, both Paul and Tom on our show. We've we've talked about that story at length. Mm-hmm. But now that we were a few months removed from it, it, it really signified and was a wake-up call to what exactly was going on uh, behind the scenes at Toronto FC. And I think it was also a wake-up call to those within the dressing room. I think it's very rare where a story shakes uh, organization in the way that that athletic bombshell shook Toronto FC. And a lot of the stuff that was, you know, going on for the better part of, you know, six to 12 months leading up to that story, that all of a sudden came to light. And that doesn't, that does not happen very often nowadays and when it comes to professional sports so it's got to be that story overall and i think that story is actually the ripple effect to some of the decisions that you know will be seen now it has already been taking place and now within you know the yep. next six months or so 
Yeah. And mine is sort of a sort of side piece to that. Cause I think that's sort of the, if you want to call it the sort of center of everything and everything sort of shoots off from there. Um, but it is Michael Bradley's retirement. And for me, and I think the nature of how it went down and, you know, there on this one hand, there's an opportunity fans at least got an opportunity to, to show him love and give him their flower, give him his flowers and send him off. But it, as I remember, the the days literally it had it was just days leading up to it. And, you know, the actual night itself and him coming to the South End and, and having like it felt like it just wasn't enough. Like it just mm-hmm. felt like here is this man who gave a decade of his life to this club who let's be real. If things worked out differently would still be here. Yeah. Um, and still in our city. And it, 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 it just spoke to just that article, the culture, what was going on, what's still kind of the ripple effects of all of that. Yeah. And, and yes. Okay. The, you know, I've seen the mo- memes and the jokes now that Starbucks been uh, relegated. Um, but I just think that it, it as much of it of a, an opportunity was, and you got the images, and you got the opportunities to say goodbye to a club legend, a, a real true club legend. It just went the way that t- these things go at TFC. It was not mm-hmm. clean. It was not. It was not a, a a a way to send out a player like that, and. You know, I, I think I can't believe it hasn't already, but I feel like this will eventually really hurt the club if they can't fix this. Like if they really can, especially with Michael Bradley, of all players, where Josie Seba is one thing. If they can't fix it with Michael Bradley, I really do think this really, really hurts the club in a lot of different ways yeah. inside the soccer world in North America. And, and, and I think there are potential repercussions. I don't know what that looks like yet. But I just, you, you know, when you have that feeling that, you know, there's there's people looking at the club a lot differently, sort of looking at the club sideways now. Um, I think there's repercussions mm-hmm. there. You you know what's crazy is that 100% every day of the week should be the right answer. Michael Bradley's retirement should be the biggest story mm-hmm. in Toronto FC this year. And yeah. the fact that it's there's even a debate that it wasn't is just such an in, indictment of just how because it's in, have been at because it's impossible because you cannot express it like you can't just say michael bradley retired you know it has to be prefaced or postscripted with well you know they they sacked his dad and this was the plan and then this and this and this happened yeah that absolutely. you know what i mean like it's not just like oh wandalowski retired you know he got a little old and his and and maybe is maybe he didn't want to lace him up anymore there's a whole story that goes along with this, whether, you know, which, whatever, whichever side you are, context is everything in this. That's why it's, it's so wrapped up in everything, the athletic article and the, and the pervasive worst case scenario of every single decision that this team made over the last uh, 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 12 months of the, the last calendar year. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. It's a mess. But, you know, I, I was having this thought they're going, you know, there's a good chance that Dundas station Dundas subway station gets renamed, right? It's going to bother us in the same way that I walk by Bloor and Bathurst and I don't see honest Ed's there and I want to vomit. But somebody that's 10 years younger, 
that's come into Toronto FC because they won, you know, hopefully they won MLS Cup 2026. They don't have the same association with Michael Bradley that we do, you know, in the same way as, uh, you know, you, you, you yearn for the Man United that, that newer fans of Man United, it's, it's a, it's, a, it's not a, it's not even a, a muscle memory to them, right? It's going to hurt for us, but to say, I, I don't think it's going to have, you know, it's the business, you know, we're, we're for our innocence with T our TFC innocence is lost for some of us, you know, this season, uh, you know, it, there's a definite end to that era and we're going to have to deal with it. But for the next along the train, the best we can hope for is that, is that, you know, they remember Michael Bradley for the reasons that we want Michael Bradley to be remembered. I, I just, I, I think the club recovers from this. Winning, winning solves everything. You know, if they win with an entirely different group of of players, you know, it, it's who's that guy on the statue? You know, it's all. Yeah, you're probably right, but I also look at like I'll use Sporting Kansas City as an example. Okay, you know, two of their gold, if you want to call it golden generation, whatever you want to call it. You know, mm-hmm. the last two guys that were left from the 2013 MLS Cup winning team retired, or there won't be with the club. I don't know if Roger Espinosa is actually retiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the way they went out, right? They they had there's no like controversy on how they went out. There was no locker room crap about what was going on. There was no, you know, is there this back and forth with the club? They yeah. just got to play football. The fans got to love them and say their goodbyes. And then they got to retire and, and are probably going to be back with the club at some point in some capacity. I don't know when this gets healed with Michael Bradley and his family. Mm-hmm. Like, and, 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 and look, I put Bob aside for a second. Cause like mm-hmm. what happened with Bob kind of had to happen. Right. And I think there's a lot of people who acknowledge that. I think even Michael to a certain extent will acknowledge that. It was untenable. Absolutely. And the yeah, but but I think court, I so. think there were a lot of things in the last couple of maybe seasons, maybe the last two at least, that clearly soured Michael Bradley on maybe not the club as a whole, but just staying here and maybe whether it's taking a role in in the club or you know just staying connected in that way, um, that it was basically like like I'm 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 out. Uh, me and my friend, we're mm. out of here, right? Yeah, when yeah, it looked pretty yeah. clear the that they were going to stay not that long ago. Well, so was we don't know exactly up. what's happening. Yeah, we don't know what happened privately. There, that could be completely conjecture. But I, I often yeah. I often think about this, Mikey. And, and, and to me, I always have to remind myself it's been – it hasn't just been one bad season. It's been three bad seasons. And, you know, and they've been excruciatingly bad seasons, right? And and that crushing reality, I think, hit TFC land on mass this year. You know, because it was it was about patience. You know, we're willing to accept a crappy half year because here comes Lorenzo, and also there was a pandemic, and we're playing out of Hartford, yeah. so we were able to hand wave away a lot of the bad. Oh, and, and hey, we almost won the Supporter Shield in 2020. You know, we were able to find another find excuses to insulate us from the crushing reality of how horrible things are. Until the very moment that we couldn't, and there are no, there's no place to hide anymore. So, yeah, I, I, I just think that you know, this year was the was the straw that that 
broke a, a whole bunch of backs. And, and, you know, if you're Michael Bradley and you're taking pay cuts on the regular so that the team can invest in being competitive and then for your troubles, they, they sack your dad, you know, he's a human being. Like, of course he wants to get the hell out of here. You know, things are rotten. Things are rotten. Uh, this team is going to have to figure out a way to win now to maintain relevancy and, you know, never say never with, with, with past stars, but yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was everything leading up to the firing of his dad. And we heard about like the Mm -hmm. Italians and how they were, you know, really pushing to get Bob Bradley out too. I think uh, Michael even mentioned this, there was no plans for him to retire, you know, heading into this season, right. That, that all was a byproduct, I think of what really transpired behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff, you know, who knows, might not all come to light, but I don't think Michael Bradley is, <laughs> I know Michael Bradley's not, not happy about the way the things ended, despite how classy yeah. he was about getting out of here. Um, last, last thing on this, just honorable mention, shout out to John Herdman uh, being appointed as Toronto FC head coach. I still think that's an insane story considering mm-hmm. it, all the stock that he had at Canada soccer and the direction that that program was heading towards the world cup uh so jaw dropping that he's now it still is kind of surreal that he's now the head coach speaking of of jaw dropping did you guys listen to his player profile interviews yes Yes. Mm -hmm. i mean wow wow this is this is a this is a guy who's capable of self-reflection almost you know i'm i'm very excited to see like what he brings to the table um in terms of in terms of, of of attacking this mountain of, of shit that is that is our club right now. I, I think uh, I think it's going to be interesting. If nothing else, is going to be really really interesting to watch. Yeah, because absolutely, we are we are behind it here. We are we are we are in big trouble, and uh, you know we need we need help. So let's go. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. With that said, uh, we'll move into the burning question and and head on out. So uh, next, the burning question. The burning question presented by Nextdoor. Nextdoor is the official community app of Toronto FC. It's also where you can connect with the people and local businesses in your neighborhood. We've been posting the burning question each week uh, throughout the year. Thank you so much for those who that have been interacting in there and leaving comments. Really appreciate it. Um, we're putting the extended clips and from the show and things like that in the group as well. So uh, join the group by downloading the app or going to Nextdoor dot ca um where before we do that let's uh let's make somebody a winner let's make an early uh a little early holiday present uh for somebody so thank you for everybody who entered by following the youtube channel uh by joining the toronto fc fan uh, group in next door and without further ado your winner is drum roll it is Derek Gagnon. Derek, I hope I pronounced oh, your Derek. Name, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we know Derek correctly. Um, but if you're watching live right now, um, see if you can. I can DM him as well. Yeah, let's let's DM him yeah. so we can get his information and get that shirt out to him. But congratulations, Derek. Christmas came a little bit early. You got yourself an energy kit. Thank you, everybody, uh, for entering. I uh, really appreciate it. Obviously. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we hope to bring more fun giveaways in 2024. 
Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, all Bern- uh, exclusively Bernadeschi and Insigne kits. At, at yeah, well, if they get transferred, mm-hmm. we can make it a whole box load. It's like, oh, we just got to give away every other mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll bring the lighter fluid. <laughs> the the burning question this week uh, for all of you out there: you get to play GM this week, and uh, how are you using the first pick in the twenty twenty four Super Draft? A few comments uh, coming in, uh, Santo on the. Toronto FC fan group just saying he keeps the first pick and he takes the kid from Western Michigan. Um, and if he's saying Western Michigan, I actually think he might mean Washington. Uh, so he might be yeah. uh, talking about Nate Jones. Um, but, uh, you know, we need to recoup some young promising talent. Uh, now, if we can trade Insinue, we can't trade him away um, and have to give up the first pick then do it. I jump all over that can't trade a DP like that. Well, actually you might now, I think they've changed the rules a little bit on how that doesn't works. matter. One no here. one's taking yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No one's taking that contract. Uh, so sorry, Santo, but, uh, you make it your way. LA, end up getting this LA have some open DP spots. They're not. They like, they did like you, big shiny. Greg Vanny yeah, wants to do us a favor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Greg, Greg, them. Greg father. He likes Greg father. Right? You know, who you should replace <laughs> Douglas Costa with this guy yeah exactly one of these two guys yeah yeah oh man yeah yeah. (laughs) hey look if if greg wants to do us a favor tfc sleeper agent in disguise thank you my friend um uh derek uh on twitter just says if if there's a defender of interest and that's the pick uh then maybe a defensive midfielder and a keeper uh and a big man striker all in that order so he's uh got a lot on the draft wish list or if all less Mm. uh, all, all else fails New president, uh, uh, recent grad from uh, the sports evolution there. Yeah, so basically he's looking for Bill Manning out. Uh, fair enough. And then uh, Turtz comes in and says, uh, trade it completely, get the ho- to the highest bidder, or trade down as many times as you can to collect the Garber bucks from whoever Turtz, is willing Turtz to pay. Hates that hates that draft pick, man. He hates it. Well, I'm I with Turtz. So I mean, if you can trade it to get real assets so that you can make signings that help you now, unless you, unless you have somebody on that board that is like, we have to get this player. Nate me, Jones. Like, get it. Nate Jones. Maybe. He works for OCP. OCP. If anybody got that reference. Well, let's uh, like look at the last couple of like first overall picks, right? Yeah. So we got Hamid Diop last year. He barely, barely, barely played for, for Charlotte. I think he made three brief appearances, uh, made nine appearances with their MLS Next Pro team. Still 21 years of age, he was a defender. So, you know, it's a long-term project, I guess, for him. Uh, mm. Ben Bender, he's he's settled in. And is still is yeah, has made some had some big moments for Charlotte uh, since being drafted. But Danny he's Pereira, on a trade block, apparently. Pereira? Ben Bender, yeah, mm. like he had a good first I mean, season, second season. Yeah, so so. Uh, Danny Pereira, Pereira, he's a he's a key piece for Austin. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that's a pretty solid pick. Robbie Robinson is a player I liked. Uh, Inter Miami, uh, Frankie Amaya. He's for me. He's a stud. A perfect MLS first overall pick. Where like he's in that elk of, like, you're not going to Europe, but you're also going to be a very, very, very good, good MLS player. player. Um, and yeah, he's he's obviously super important for uh, the New York Red Bulls. Then like you got Jean Matuino for from LAFC. Abu Dunladi from Minnesota United. And then you got the Jack Harrisons, Kyle Larens, DeAndre Blake, Andrew Farrell. So that was a good like run of first run overall picks. But, yeah. Yeah. But like what I'm trying to get at is like you're looking at 
players who how much would they be worth roughly like anywhere between 400 to maybe a million in gam right that that's been kind of at least recently that's kind of been the price tag for some of these mm-hmm. players yeah above definitely above 400 that's for sure maybe a bit more for Perea, but yeah i mean there's there's Give some thought to it, at least. Yeah, I think it's it's very much with the draft. It's a very much an eye of the beholder type of thing where if there's a team out there that really covets a player and thinks that they can help either right now or like in the very immediate future, then... Phone's um, open. DMs are the, open. Yeah, they'll go in yeah. and, the, and they'll spend that gam to, to make that trade. But it does yeah. feel like TFC is going to hang on to it. Um, Give us zero in gam, but take uh, Insigne off the books and, and cover his salary. That will, oh, that's yeah. fine. How much do you want your well, super again, draft pick? Uh, call up uh, Daddy Vanny, Vanny in LA, see if uh, he'll do us a solid. Uh, the last mm-hmm. comment I'll read on this is from our own Jeffrey P. Nesker. Like Rachel Dory said on the pod, fight a guy that can develop outside of the chaos of the first team. Herdman has enough to work to do and maybe contribute 2025 and onward. So that may be this a guy's KSB. an idiot. What a <laughs> moron. Yeah. yeah, that might be a KSB situation, especially if look, if you can't get rid of the Italians and you're going to have wingers that are going to still play the majority of the minutes. Maybe that's a situation where you draft them and maybe he goes back to school and plays another year. Um or maybe you you have him there and you either keep him at MLS Next Pro or maybe even loan him out um, to get those minutes. Um, that might be a way that they go with this. It will be interesting. I think this is probably one of the more interesting things that they're going to have to decide this offseason is how to utilize this tool that they haven't had in a decade, essentially. Um, and the best part is we only have to watch like the first three hours of the super draft to get to the first round. Well, two in hours and 45 minutes of pre-talk and then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And here's the super draft dancers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never watching a, a super draft again. So one of you two have to do it. Just saying. <sighs> Okay, Mike Singh, you're on. You're up. Um, right, let's uh, let's wrap this thing up for 2023. Thank you so much for tuning in to Toronto till I die. Um, before we go, um, I wanted to say just thank you, heartfelt. Thank you for all of you that have been tuning in this past year. You know, we've grown sort of our listenership. We've grown. Our, our subscriber base we've jumped youtube's links a couple of times throughout the year and you stayed with us um so we really appreciate that um whether you watch us live every week or you listen on podcasts uh, during the week um your support means a lot to us obviously um and it keeps us going and we're looking forward to bigger and better in 2024 uh guys just wanted to step back um and give you guys some space if you want to say anything before we uh wrap for 2023 to the loyal listeners out there what a year man let's uh let's bring the positivity back next year i'm sick of being angry all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah man you guys are making me emotional no uh no mm. seriously though like it was a tough year i think for a lot of tfc fans it was honestly a tough year for us at times where it was you know, do we really want to go on the show and just talk about the same thing and just talk about the same tone and oh. kind of go through this over and over and over? Mm-hmm. So the only reason why we did it, quite frankly, was because you guys kept on showing up all week. We see all of your comments in the comment box as we're watching. It's great to interact and get to know some of you. 
And yeah, well, honestly, we hope to continue to do this in the new year. And as these guys just said, it hopefully it's it's in a better light, and we can start talking some positivity about this team. Because mm. we, man, we we would rather be positive and bullish about Toronto oh, yeah. oh, any day of the week, right? Oh, so for us God. to come on here and complain, be negative at times, I mean, we don't we don't love doing it, but it's just the reality of where it is. So I appreciate mm. everybody. We uh, I'm proud of us too, guys, for being able to do almost a weekly show. Like there was maybe mm-hmm. maybe a handful of weeks that we missed handful. throughout this entire yep. year. So we're all busy, busy for people. you guys too. The one thing I love we haven't discussed this. Yeah, we, we have, but, but yeah. I was about to get to that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the one thing though I loved uh, about the show is even uh, I, I came back on the over unders and uh, me tanned coming back from the beach is way better <laughs> than Mike right now, pale in in a light. I just it, I looked at that and I almost <laughs> cried. Um, cause mm-hmm. I just look so tan. Look so I was good. so happy. I missed the, the second episode. So I didn't have to look at my ugly mug when I was uh, <laughs> when I cutting, cutting your clip. What a jest who cares? I don't have to stare at him. This yeah. is fantastic. So it, that is a wrap for 2023 guys. We will be back in January. We will post when, uh, the specific date we will be back. Um, but obviously they will be getting us closer to training camp. Uh, more player movement will be happening there. So we'll have a lot to talk about. Um, going into the 2024 season. So for Jeffrey P. Nesker, for Michael Singh, I'm Mike Newell. Happy holidays, happy new year, and we'll see you all in January, everybody. Peace. Happy holidays. And wait, and wait, and baby, I'm TFC till I die.